What's up, everyone? We're back for Locked On Bucks, and so is Camille Davis. She's here alongside me, as she is every week. And we're going to be talking all-star reserves today. We know the starters have been named. The reserves are coming up on uh, Thursday night. They're going to be announced. So will the Bucks have another representative in the team? We'll go- we're going to discuss that. We'll also talk Dante DiVincenzo. We'll talk the Bucks bench struggles. And what about Ben Simmons? What is going on with the Sixers? Should we be worried about any potential trade coming up? I think maybe. But we'll see. There's under a week now until the trade deadline. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show every weekday and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me as she does every week, Camille Davis from the Technical Foul Podcast is here as well. Make sure you check out the Technical Foul Podcast once you're done with Locked On Bucks. Sorry, Camille, but you have to listen to Locked On Bucks first. (laughs) Speaking of, uh, we do thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks their first listen of every weekday. And there's plenty happening. We're in a busy part of the season the bucks have got a couple days off now but then they're going to be heading out west the trade deadline is coming up which i think all bucks fans are interested but probably unsure about what's going to happen here in the next few days so it's going to be a big week on this podcast but first of all camille i'm looking at you you're wearing a t-shirt i'm wearing a hoodie uh you're in milwaukee in the winter i'm in australia in the summer um what's going on well, we had a little heat wave here, Kane. It hit, uh, I believe it was like 44 yesterday. So, you know, just trying to soak in all of the warmth that we were <laughs> we were getting. No, my apartment's just really hot. Um, it's t-shirt weather inside. Outside, not so much anymore. 44 is, and I, I like doing this because I can, you know, I lived in Milwaukee for a few years, so I can comfortably talk about winter. I feel like I have the experience, but 44 is like, sweating profusely weather after you've had a few weeks of like uh you know you know below zero whatever but anyway absolutely um the point is that summer's letting us down here for the last couple of days it's been so hot but uh not so much today so anyway maybe we'll cool off for a couple of days i'm sure it will be back uh speaking of cooling off though chris milton the last two nights uh, or the last couple of games has cooled off but the all-star reserves are going to be named here uh, tomorrow, as we're recording this, we are recording this on uh, Thursday evening in the US. Um, no, Wednesday evening in Wednesday. the US. Sorry, Thursday morning in Australia. So these teams are going to be announced on Thursday night. Uh, Chris Milton's an interesting one. I, I think for most of this season, Camille, we thought that Drew Holiday probably had his head uh, just in front of Chris Milton in terms of a potential second all-star for the Bucks. Do you still feel that way? I'm not as sure anymore. Um, Drew's played in, let me just double check here. He's played in 40 games so far this season. I feel like the COVID and the injuries have kind of derailed his momentum um, because there was a point before his last stint out where he was just on fire. He was in perfect rhythm. It seemed like he could do no wrong when he uh, made any decisions on the court. So um, after coming back from uh, what he's been battling with the ankle and whatnot, he seems like he's trying to pick that game back up a little bit. So I think that might derail him a little bit. Um, 
putting him ahead of Chris at this point. But I feel like there's still a shot. I don't feel confident that the Bucks will have two All-Stars. Um, it also might be a case where Drew and Chris are taking votes away from one another to a certain degree. Um, I know, you know, Drew's uh, backcourt and Chris's frontcourt, but you have your wild card spots too. And with all the other guys who are also deserving all-star spots, uh, I'd be, at this point, I would be surprised if the Bucks have to. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do feel like if you think about what the coaches or who the coaches want to uh, reward. I think that they might lean towards Drew Holiday because he's had so much respect over the years, uh, what he did in the postseason, his defensive play. I think they might still go and vote for him. How many games has Chris Milton played, by the way? Do you have that in front of you there? Uh, let me see real quick. Because he missed a few, but I know Drew, it feels like for Drew, it's been a little bit stop-start uh, for most of the season. Yeah, yeah. Drew had 40 games that he's played this season, and Chris has played in 41. So they're actually pretty close, closer than I thought they would be. So Chris Milton, and and here's the thing, and we had a few uh, comments. I mean, we've spoken about the Bucks' struggles through January. Obviously, it wasn't a good month for the team, uh, but we spoke about uh, Chris Milton sort of really having an uptick in form at the right time if you are trying to be an all-star. And uh, certainly the last two games have been a little bit slow, as I mentioned, and some of the YouTube comments are like, ah, Chris Milton's in a Steph Curry slump. Uh, what's going on with Chris? He's playing terrible. Well, he did play 14 games in January. He averaged 22 points, six and a half rebounds, six assists. His shooting splits were 48, 42, and 90. So, yeah, he may have had a quiet couple of games here, but overall his January was outstanding. And let's not forget that it really does stand out if Chris Milton has a quiet game because you're getting absolutely zero from your bench. So if it's not Giannis, it's not Chris, it's not Drew, Bobby Portis, obviously in the starting lineup there as well, then you're not having any scoring. It's going to be hard to win games. So all of a sudden uh, it's amplified on Chris. And look, he's a two-time All-Star. I'm sure he can handle the criticism, but it's uh, worth pointing out that overall, individually, he had a pretty damn good January. It was amazing to see. Um, it felt like, again, he was getting into a really good rhythm throughout January. And he's kind of cool with the last few games. But if there's anything that we know about Chris at this point is that Chris is no longer scared to keep shooting. And that's all I can really ask of Chris when he is going through any slumps, no matter uh, if it's a game, if it's two games, however long. But it was nice because Chris started the season off kind of slow as well. He kind of picked it up in January. Um, which was nice to see in large part because, as you mentioned, we're not getting too much from our bench at this point. Pat Connaughton started the season off really hot, uh, looked like he was just a, he was on fire starting the season, and he's cooled off some. Uh, we got Dante back, who hasn't been putting up big numbers. As you mentioned, our biggest bench scorer, Bobby Portis, has been starting because we're without Brooke, um, <laughs> causing some other guys to be in some other positions that they normally aren't in. Then you have guys who have been in and out of the lineup with George Hill in and out of the lineup. You've had Wes Matthews kind of in and out a little bit as well. So it's been a little inconsistent on the bench as well. So I don't know, Kane. Um, I don't know what the what the bench can actually do to spark itself. Like, as you mentioned, the trade deadline is coming up. I'm not sure what the Bucks could actually do there. Yeah, me either. Uh, just on Chris, and you made a pretty good point there, the fact that he's shooting through it. I think this has been something that he's learned to do, certainly since Budge has been around, and it wasn't always the case. Uh, one of the things that, I, and I've always obviously loved Chris, but one of the things that I said, yeah, I would like to see is him not have those games where he's just randomly two for seven or two for eight 
Like, it's fine if you're going to have a, a quiet scoring game. Like, there's 82 games during the regular season. I know there will be some people out there that will expect him to shoot 50% from the field every single night. It's literally not going to happen. He's going to have these down weeks. He's going to have these down patches. That's just what happens. And I remember going back to the 2018-19 season, he was having a, a really rough stretch, if you remember, at the start of the season. And I think we were in uh, in Indiana at the time, although they were playing the Pacers on the road. And I remember one of the comments he made after the game. He was like, uh, he's like, you guys have watched me play. He's like, this this happens. It's a long season. I'm not worried about it. But I do think that he has gotten better at shooting his way through that. And even yesterday, he only had the 13 points, but he still got the 12 shots up. He still got the seven threes up. That's what I want to see. As long as he's still getting up those six or seven threes per game, I think you feel uh, pretty fine about it. I do want to talk about the bench a little bit more after I mentioned Bet Online. Uh, that has everyone covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As uh, football continues the road to the Super Bowl, I'm sure there's plenty of things you can check out there at betonline.net. So the big game is a couple of weeks away there. Betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with the live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers for the 2022 season. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, Speaking of the trade deadline, Camille, as we record this, uh, this time next week, uh, the trade deadline uh, will be around seven days away. So I keep mixing up my days. I think I said it was under a week away. Not quite. Just over a week away. Eight days to to right now, the trade deadline will be done. So we're going to be talking about this a lot moving forward, but you can check out the Locked On Podcast Network trade deadline show. Uh, they did it last year. All the hosts from the network will be around. If there's any big moves, they'll be breaking it all down. So it's a great show. So check out the Locked On uh, NBA trade deadline special there. You mentioned the bench. So I was curious to have a look at this. So on the entire season, the Bucks are 29th in the league for bench scoring at around 26 points per game. Only the Raptors are below the Bucks, And if anyone's been watching the Raptors this season, you'll know that Nick Nurse is trying his best to play five starters 48 minutes per game and not use the bench at all. So there's <laughs> not much to be proud about the fact that you're scoring a few more points than the Raptors. But if you look at just January, again, we go to the month of January where the Bucks struggled. Uh, they're still 29th because, again, Nick Nurse. But uh, they're only scoring 20 points per game off the bench, which is down from 26 on the season, we know it was a, a massive struggle. And again, they've had to play some of their key bench players in the starting lineup. Uh, we understand that. I don't know long-term how concerned I am about it because we saw last year, uh, particularly during the playoffs, that Bud is going to shorten the rotation anyway. You're only going to play eight guys, really. And yes, you would like some contributions for Pat Connaughton, who hopefully will be one of those guys off the bench. Bobby mm-hmm. Portis will hopefully be one of those guys off the bench. And maybe Dante DiVincenzo, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But if those are the three guys coming off the bench, you feel like your scoring's fine. It's going to be fine. You don't need to be at the top of the, the bench scoring totals uh, across the regular season. Again, it just comes down to wear and tear. And it's like, well, if you're getting nothing off your bench in the regular season, then you're asking more and more of the starters. I think that's where the concern would be. Definitely. I mean, as you and Frank mentioned last night during the the post-game recap with the Wizards game, did not expect Giannis to play that many minutes on a random Tuesday against a Wizards team without Bradley Bill. Like, 
who would have thought, but they needed Giannis to play those minutes to win that game in the fourth quarter. Um, and that's where the concern comes in because when you look at the Bucks roster in the bench, there there's just not a lot of production that's happening. I mean, Rodney Hood, we haven't gotten too much from Rodney. As I mentioned, George Hill's been in and out of the lineup. Um, Shimmy Ojale hasn't quite worked out the way the Bucks or the fans <laughs> would have hoped. Uh, Wes has been all right, but you know, Wes is one of those kind of guys who he's not looking to create his own shot. Like he is going to get his buckets in the flow of the offense, however it comes. And he's going to give you some really solid defense. And they're just, they're kind of hurting there because Jordan Wara, he's been in and out of the lineup. When guys are hurt, we see more Jordan. When guys are healthy, we haven't been able to see him as often. And one might wonder should we be seeing more Jordan minutes at this point if we're looking for some offense off of the bench but Jordan has also proved that um, while he can score in bunches uh, sometimes those bunches are very inefficient bunches where he needs to put up uh, double digit you know shots just to get 10 11 12 points from time to time so I'm not sure what more they can do in a situation playing Mamu like I like what more can they really do at this point, except for hope that some of the guys who are taking these shots like Dante and Pat will start to find their shooting touch. So uh, that's a great point. So here's, here's the thing that I'm, I'm thinking of with Dante DiVincenzo. And I tweeted this yesterday and I've said this, but there's always one player that draws the, the attention of the fan base. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be one player on the roster that everyone wants to be negative about this year. It's been Dante DiVincenzo. There's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously he was injured. The Bucks won the title anyway. So there's this like, Theory or, to me, silly idea that the Bucks won the title because he was injured and all this kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. Whatever. Dante was a good player during the regular season. Yes, I understand what happened with PJ Tucker, but I think that that's really looking for something a little bit too hard to me. Yeah. And I said, well, Dante's starting to look a little bit better here the last couple of games. It's almost like having seven months off basketball and tearing a <laughs> ligament off your foot and then trying to come back and then having COVID and then also rolling your ankle. Maybe sometimes a guy needs a little bit of basketball uh, to shake the rust off, particularly a guy that is a little bit erratic by nature in terms of what he's going to bring to the table. So the last five games, and it's only five games, but he's been over 50% uh, for, on two-point attempts, which is important because these are the shots that we've been asking. Is he going to yeah. improve on? Can he be more efficient? So that's a pretty good sign. And he's actually scored more. Uh, I mean, he's getting you nearly 10 points per game off the bench the last five, which, as we've discussed, is pretty important for this Bucks team that's getting nothing else offensively. So, there, of course, there was the usual reactions that were like, well, who cares? He sucks anyway. Ah, great. He's having the best week of his career, all that, whatever. But then there's also the people that are saying, okay, well, this is perfect timing for the trade deadline, which I'm fine with. I mentioned this yesterday. If you think that if you're trying to come up with a trade and you want this Bucks team to make a trade... I can understand why you would say that Dante is a guy that you'd be looking at. We understand he's going to unrestricted free agency, all those things. He even spoke about this with our friend Eric there to one-on-one -on -one the other day. And he said, look, I understand Grace Nellen came in. They paid him. I'm happy for him. This is a business, but he's also a teammate. I've also been traded before. <laughs> like he went through that with the Bogdanovich thing. So there's nothing I don't think that's going to surprise Dante here in the next week. I've never said that he's going to be an all-star player, but I do think he's a good player in the league. Obviously, there's health concerns moving forward. So can you guarantee that Dante DiVincenzo is going to remain healthy through the rest of this season? No, there's no way based on history. So I can understand why people would want to trade him. I think the problem for me when I'm looking at this team 
is that there seems to be two needs all of a sudden that people want. So they want the big, which I get. And I think that they are going to add someone, whether it's post-trade deadline or at the trade deadline. Who knows? Horst makes moves. I think they're going to add a big. Mm -hmm. But then there's also a section of people that want a bench scorer. And I just don't see how you can get both. Uh, I don't see the Bucks have the pieces or the assets to, to get both. So I think you're right. That's why we looked at Jordan Moore at the start of the season and said, gee, I really hope he can become mm -hmm. a guy that you can rely on every single night. He hasn't been that guy. Maybe he's a wild card. But ultimately, I do see him as a almost a Bryn Forbes type where you're like, okay, yeah, he could get hot. Maybe he can win you a playoff game in the first round. Do you, does Bud trust him enough? Does the team trust him enough to play in the NBA Finals? I don't know. Right now, no. There's still a few months left in the regular season. But this is the problem for the Bucks when you look at the two needs that they need. They can't get both. And I think the big man is more important than the, the bench scorer. I would agree with that. And then before we even talk about the big man, like thinking about looking at Dante's sample size over the last five games, he's only played 14 games so far. So right. looking at five games is like a third of the season that he's played. So it just goes to show like there hasn't been that much time that he's had to reacclimate himself mm -hmm. to playing basketball full of speed in the NBA against other professionals. So I think Dante deserves a little bit more grace, but I definitely agree with your point about there being multiple needs for the team, two needs, but the big is the most pressing need in my opinion, in large part, because I mean, when Brooke went down and even going into the season, we knew that the, the front court was a little thin. We all recognized that, that the rotation was going to be Giannis, Brooke and Bobby. And that was it. You lose Brooke and now you're down to two, which is part of why they went out to go sign DeMarcus Cousins because they needed a big body. And again, you're playing with fire bringing up Boogie Cousins. I know, hey, I know. I said this to Frank. <laughs> if you bring up Boogie Cousins, then be prepared for what's going to come. <laughs> but here's the thing with Boogie. Like, I understand why the Bucks released him because they didn't want to pay that contract. I can understand that. But not keeping him, you run into the same problem that you were facing before you got Boogie, which is you're thin at the front court. So there needs to be something that happens here. I'm glad that reports about Brooke have been optimistic that they feel he's going to be able to play again this season, but we don't have any idea of when that return could be. We don't know how much longer it could be. We don't know how he's going to come back from a back surgery um, at his age, a seven footer at that. Of course, I'm hoping for the best for Brooke. I love Brooke Lopez, um, but the Bucks need to be proactive about making sure that they're not vulnerable in that front court spot. I'm not sure it'll happen before the trade deadline, like you mentioned, um, but I can definitely see the Bucks looking to buy out because Horse has shown us he likes, you know, checking through that buyout market and seeing what's available. I don't know. Uh, everyone always wants to and I, and I get why by the way and Frank always says this it's not for us to to give a single shit about the money that the owners spend like I couldn't mm -hmm. give a crap like I'm not here to defend anyone if, if people say well they're being cheap you go back to the Brogdon stuff go back to the PJ Tucker stuff whatever I don't care the Boogie Cousins stuff for me I just can't get myself worked up about it I still can't get myself worked up about it <laughs> and calling that a cheap move I mean the, the financial ramifications of signing Boogie for another month or for the a non-guaranteed deal for the rest of the season. It's just so minuscule and, and the grand scale of things that maybe they did do it for financial, but to me, I still look at it. They must have said, well, we don't see any value, not just for the playoffs, but we don't see any value having this guy around for the next month. This is the way I can look at it. And I don't know what's going on in the locker room. I don't know the relationship right. he had with players, but to me, it's just not something I can get mad about. 
despite the fact that I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I am a little concerned how much Bobby's playing, how much Giannis is playing. So that's why I've always said, if nothing happens here in the next month and they add no one, I'll start to say, okay, what the hell is going on? Either that or they are certain that Brook Lopez uh, is going to be fine. But I would imagine that you want to have some sort of insurance policy for mm-hmm. if he's not. We're talking about a seven-foot giant with a back problem. That to me, exactly. regardless of, and they're the professionals, they know what's going on. But that's something that I would be uh, pretty concerned about as well because you can't get any spare parts for a back, uh, Camille, but you can get spare parts for your car. And rockauto.com is the place that you want to go if you do need spare cuts because with the spare cuts, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure off the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer? Uh, the problem is they only have one brand uh, in their warehouse. So you're, you're better with the, the freedom of choice. And you can do that at rockauto.com. You also save time and money. You can do it from home, which is what everyone wants to do these days. Let's be honest. You can save up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more uh, for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. And they've got everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So if we look at the rotation, and I mentioned this before, the sort of the eight-guy rotation, but ultimately, uh, let's say you extend it to a 10-man rotation for the postseason. I think the four guys you have off the bench, uh, in an, again, if Brooke Lopez is back. So this is an ideal scenario. Right. you got Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and George Hill. And then potentially another big man. And that's your playoff rotation. So that's if they add a guy through the buyout market, it's not through a trade. I still think ultimately when you have the top three of Giannis, Drew, and Chris, if you can get Brook Lopez back, then you still feel pretty good about that playoff rotation there. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, how all this plays out. And obviously there has to be durability concerns about George Hill as well, who's an older player, an yeah. older, older fella, struggling with some neck pain. We've all been there. So we'll see. Hopefully that he can stay healthy and come back because he's been proven himself to be a pretty reliable uh, contributor, even if he's not a guy that's going to get you 20 points, which is fine. They're not asking him to do that. What about other teams? Is it clear cut that Philadelphia is the number one team if you're a Bucks fan you should be <laughs> concerned about at the trade deadline with what they could potentially do? Here's, here's the thing with that. Um, for years now, We've been wondering if Philly would be a team that the Bucks should fear. It, it's been a reoccurring thing. For whatever reason, something happens with Philly, and then the question is, oh, my God, do we need to take Philly? Like, should we, should we take them more seriously? Like, is there is there more to it here? And honestly, here we who go. knows? Because, like <laughs> – it, I like, thought you were going to say no. You, you kind of, you really, you really set that up that you're going to slam Philly, and then you kind of were just on the fence, which is disappointing. You know, because here's the thing with Philly, um, Joel Embiid, he is having an amazing, he's having an MVP caliber season. Joel Embiid is that talented of a guy, and everything that we're hearing about Philly all bridges upon what they do with Ben Simmons. There's been reports that, you know, maybe they're going to try to get Bradley Bill out of it. There's been reports that maybe they'll hold on to Ben Simmons, that, you know, and wait till the offseason and try to get James Harden somehow. It's hard to keep up, but I just can't bring myself to get worked up about what Philly may or may not do 
based on the past history of whatever they do, it has not been enough yet. And I'm not saying Philly can ever get over the hump or anything like that, but Philly's good. Philly doesn't scare me though. And they're, I'm trying to think of different moves they could make that would make me feel like, oh my God, like this is a game changer. But I just, I just don't feel that type of energy when it comes to thinking about the 76ers. Well, I love that first of all, but here's the thing. So Ben Simmons isn't playing. My fellow countryman, Ben Simmons is not playing at all. So this is the difference with this trade compared to any other scenario where you're like, okay, well, what are, what are the outgoing pieces and ingoing pieces mean for a team? So the reason why I think you should be a little bit worried about Philadelphia is because the piece that they're trading out is not playing anyway. So it's it's purely an addition. So to me, I if Philadelphia wants to say, okay, well, Ben Simmons is, is better than CJ McCollum or Ben Simmons is better than... Bradley Beal, fine, but he's not playing for you at all. So if the Sixers did add a Bradley Beal or a CJ McCollum and all they're basically moving out is Ben Simmons, then they're significantly better, right? I mean, that's they're, they're a significantly better team. And I think the fact that Tyrese Maxey... Now, first of all, Tyrese Maxey went off on the Bucs. Yeah. Do I think that in the playoffs, Drew Holiday would take that personally? And he's obviously a very slender young man would that would that be a matchup that would work out for the six i'm not 100 percent sure but um the point being if they do add a player that's a you know a, a fringe all-star they are a significantly better team and the bucks haven't had to deal with joel Embiid. and you're right he's playing at mvp level so i'm still i've always thought the whole time that the Sixers were going to trade ben simmons that's just what i thought because it Same. makes no sense not to because this is a year where it feels like the title is absolutely wide open you can't really trust or rely on Joel Embiid's long-term health. So why would you waste an opportunity to win a title when you're a franchise that's gone through all this bullshit and haven't got out of the second round? So to me, I thought that I still think that they're going to make a trade. I think it's all all bluffs. I think something's going to happen. I might be very wrong. I don't have any kind of info on that. It's just a feeling that kind of makes sense to me. Hey, I can't I can't knock you for having that feeling because I mean Trade deadline time, all the things that you hear, they get leaked out, all the rumors, the what, what could happen, what might not happen. It's all smoke screens. Like, it's all posturing. Everyone's trying to get something, not out of nothing, but they're trying to position themselves to get the most back that they can get. Um, me, personally, I was back and forth about whether I thought Ben Simmons would be traded uh, this season or if they were waiting until the offseason. The James Harden piece of it was kind of interesting to me, especially knowing that Maury's over there. In Philly, and I could see him waiting to get his guy back um, if that's the best offer that he thinks he'll be able to get. Because it seems like some other teams are like, you're asking for a little bit too much right now for Ben Simmons, and we're not going for that. But again, could be a smokescreen. And Philly is, I believe, second in the East right now. It's it's hard to tell every day. It, it yeah, just seems yeah. like everything is flipping and flopping all the time. So I, can, I hear you, but it's always about matchups too. And we haven't really gotten a chance to see us the Bucks against the 76ers yet. So we'll be interesting to see that matchup when it, when it happens. Um, Embiid and Giannis always put on the show for us. So I don't know, Kane, I just, I, I just, I can't get scared. I understand like we haven't gotten much from Ben Simmons, but thinking about what Ben Simmons brings to that team and what he brought to that team last year, especially defensively, like no matter who they get in to replace him, it doesn't seem like they're going to get that defense aspect back from what he was able to do and a lot of the other 
bench players for Philly, they don't instill much fear in me. Um, and I say that, and that could be fool, you know, fool's Aaron me saying that now. And then, you know, down the line, we get blown out by them or whatever the case may be. But like stacking up their big three, whoever they get, because even if they get a player, you know, that's better than Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is still their third best, their best player. So looking at Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and their mystery guy up against Giannis, Chris, and Drew, I still feel really good about our chances. Well, it's a good point you make because for all the, you know, criticism and jokes and ridicule of Ben Simmons, uh, the duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in terms of yeah. being able to make life difficult for Giannis was real. I mean, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a real duo there, despite the fact Giannis has had some big games against the Sixers in the past. So that is meaningful. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe we should just get over trying to discuss the Bucks and Sixers playoff series. We do it every year. It never eventuates. So maybe we should just not even worry about it at all. They'll be knocked out by the time we have to deal with them. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? As I said, we've got about a week till the trade deadline. Camille, it's always fun to hang out with you. Uh, we've got a couple of days till the Bucks play again. Are you ready for, are you going to be trying to catch up on sleep? For these 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. Uh, tip-offs you got to get oh, ready for? Man. You know how much I enjoy the late tip-offs from the Bucks. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely trying to sneak in some cat naps and, and get ready for that for that road trip because uh, they're asking a lot of me, Kane, to stay up past my bedtime, you know, and, and watch them, you know, consistently. So, no, I'm joking. It'll be fun. Um, I do enjoy the West Coast trips a little bit because it's kind of like I get to do everything I need to do at home, take care of any (laughs) chores, errands, cook dinner. Everything is like done, like already had dinner. Leftovers are put up into the fridge and everything like that. And now I get to just sit back and watch Bucks basketball. And if I happen to fall asleep, that's okay because I can just rewatch it the next day. So, (laughs) Well, it's Saturday night as well. So get wild, Camille, the Bucks and the Blazers. By the way, (laughs) what is that bar on Brady that has the – because the, the uh, it's, it's Nomad, right? It has like the outdoor bar. Yes. And... So I always remember when the Bucks play the Blazers because a couple of years when the Bucks were in Portland, I went on that trip. But one year I didn't go on that trip. Uh, there was a big snowstorm in Milwaukee, and I was like, "Well, I could just like stay in an apartment, or what am I going to do?" I'm like, "All right, I'll head down to Nomad." Uh, I think uh, my good friend Pratik Patel from ESPN Milwaukee came down and hung out. Sarah Howard, who used to work at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. She doesn't listen to this podcast or whatever. She's back in <laughs> Minneapolis now. But uh, we went to Nomad because apparently like when there's a snowstorm, they have all these deals, Camille, right? So I get there and the guy's like, yeah, it's like $1 beers because it's like a snowstorm. So anyway, the point being, the Bucks won the game. I I don't know. I, had to, I watched the game again. <laughs> I watched the game again the next day just to catch up on what actually happened during this game, but the Bucs won. So anyway, that's Saturday night when the Bucs were in Portland. So I say I always remember it, but I guess I don't really remember it. But anyway, whatever. Hopefully it's a similar experience. The experience is remembered. And the win. That's what's remembered. Exactly right. I think Eric Bledsoe had 30 points that night. So shout out to shout out to Bled for that. By the way, check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Steele. And I'll have you covered for all the Bucks stuff across the West Coast road trip, probably Super Bowl stuff. Anyway, they've got you all covered if you're into that type of thing, but we'll leave it there. Make sure you check out the Technical Foul podcast. Camille's on that uh, weekly as well as she is this podcast now, which is great for us. Another day off tomorrow. We'll have a podcast tomorrow. Who knows what we'll be talking about at this point. We'll have a guest. I haven't figured that out yet. It's not a great tease for tomorrow's show, but make sure you check it out anyway. We'll be having fun. So for Camille, myself, we'll leave it there. Catch you guys tomorrow.